0: That we're all here together. Uh, My name is Justin Womack, the worship leader here at Stafford County Christian Church. Uh, If you are brand new, if you're visiting with us, whether online or in the present, uh, uh, we welcome you. We're so glad uh, you chose to be with us. Uh, We like to get uh, things started, so I'm going to say a prayer for us, and uh, we'll get right into worship. So please bow with me. Uh, Dear God, uh, thank you so much for another beautiful day, Lord. Uh, Lord, we're just, uh, again, uh, grateful for the opportunity to come together uh, as a family, uh, Lord, here uh, to sing your praises, uh, to receive your word, uh, just to uh, to be slightly closer to, to family. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would uh, bless this time, Lord, that you bless Travis as he brings us the word, uh, and that uh, we would just uh, sing our praises to you and uh, just uh, prepare ourselves to to receive what you have for us this morning, Lord. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As a reminder, if you have little ones, there's bags uh, in the back for them. Uh, Kid zone is open to those students, uh, kindergarten and up. And uh, communion is also uh, in the back for you. Make sure you stop by and grab you uh, a communion uh, for later. But uh, we got all that sorted. Uh, Rise with us as you are uh, able as we begin in our worship. pray that uh, we take uh, the mu- take what uh, uh, flows through our mind, uh, uh, just focus straight in on you this morning, God, on the message prepared, Lord, uh, on your word, that we would just uh, be in it, uh, that we would place it within us, Lord, just to continue to grow nearer to you, Lord. Again, bless Travis as he brings us that word this morning in your son. Jesus' precious name we pray, amen
1: you may be seated. Good morning. So we have a few announcements that uh, we're going to make. The first one is, um, if you have not received your communion, um, it is on the back coffee tables where there is obviously no coffee. Um, So I am sorry about that. No donuts, no coffee, but it's the way that it is for the time being. But if you did not get your communion, we'll take that at the end of the service. But I encourage you, um, you can get up and and go pick that up uh, in in the back on either side. You can pick that up and bring it back to your uh, seats and we'll do communion at the very end. Uh, The other announcements that we have is... uh, Um, we have youth services. MOVE is going to be starting up again this evening. Uh, They're meeting from 6.30 to 8. A little bit of a change in the time. One is because uh, we're no longer doing the meals, so we've changed that time a little bit. It's 6.30 to 8, and tonight is just a game night. Um, So I encourage all of our youth to come out. Jared has all kinds of activities that he has planned. So uh, youth, uh, if you are in grade 6... Uh, Through 12, I encourage you to come out and be a part of that. Also, looking forward to CIY, that's coming up at the end of this month, Um, and it's a three day event. It's here at the church. We're not actually traveling to Ohio, but we have a band that's coming in that's going to play uh, for the youth. Uh, We have all of the services that uh, they do for CIY, Um, so it's not just myself or Jared that's speaking to you, it's all of those um, uh, same speakers that you would have if we went away to. To Ciy, um, vacation Bible school. Still encourage you to, uh, if you have youth uh, or children that are a, a part of that, go ahead and get them signed up for vacation Bible school. Miss Christy and Miss Lisa, they will work you through how that's going to work. It's obviously going to be different, uh, but the whole month of August on Sunday mornings, they will be doing the lessons uh, for that week um, during. Um, Their time on Sunday mornings and then you will do the craft and all of the other activities during the week um, With your children and again, they'll bring all of that up Um, Also, we have a women in touch carnival Uh, It is this Saturday evening Um, June the 19th at 630. um, And it's going to be at the Williams house. It's going to be a carnival. It's in their backyard. It's going to be an awesome night for the ladies. You don't have to bring anything. You just show up. Um, Everything's going to be taken care of. And it's also going to be the secret sister reveal. So if you have been wondering who your secret sister is, you will find out if you come on Saturday night. So, So, um, everybody just show up anyways on Saturday night. <laughs> nobody will be there. Um, it's even, I, I, I even had Greta write me a note. It's all right. Um, so, I did say this, the 19th, so that's at least partly right. 6.30, June the 19th, Sunday evening at the Williams in their backyard. What? It says June on here. I promise. It says June on here. And y'all at home, you're missing a good time. That's all I'm going to tell you. All right. So um, go to the Women in Touch page, and you can find out all of the information. I'm so sorry. Um, Greta's going to be like, no, you're not making an announcement again for the ladies. Secret Sister Reveal, July 19th, 630, Sunday night. There you go. Um, other announcements, they're on Facebook. Um, we're, we're trying to get them out to you however we possibly can. Um, you know, we're, we're working through this COVID stuff as, as much uh, as we can. We're online still every single week. I know I have some of you that are asking me about different service times and so forth. And, and right now, we're going to hold to the 915 service. And, and as we move forward, as we get ready to go into the fall and, and more people are working their way back into church services as they feel comfortable. Coming in, Um, The leadership is is always looking at what do we need to do next? Will we move into two services again? What's what's that going to look like? So just stay flexible with us, and and we'll keep all of that information out to you. Each week, we will send out um, that survey. We'll email out the survey asking um, if you're planning to attend, because we want to make sure that we always have enough seats for everyone. So I encourage you, just fill that out. Send those results. results back in. If you don't get that email, if you're not on the Facebook page, let me know, and I'll make sure that you are receiving that um, each week. So this morning, we are jumping back into the book of James. We, we took several weeks, and, and we've really focused in on prayer for a while, but now we're going to jump back into the book of James, and we're going to finish up over the next several weeks, uh, James chapter 4 and 5. And this morning, we're going to look at James chapter 4 and and how we have been called to be humble. Uh, I love. Uh, country music. I love older country music, and, and there's a lot of different things that that I listen to. And um, you know, Copperhead Radio is one of my favorite ones on Pandora, and they play a little bit of everything. And Teresa's like, "How in the world do you work out to this music? You can't work out to Johnny Cash. Hey, if you like Johnny Cash, you can work out to Johnny Cash. If you don't, it doesn't work. And I understand that. But there's a lot of different songs that are out there, and one of those that came on the radio, um, it, it was by Mac. Day. It was recorded back in 1980, and it was called, It's Hard to Be Humble. And and after hearing it, um, I I went to um, YouTube, and I actually listened to the live video um, that they they had of it, and he was talking about how his wife left him and all of this. And and, and this this is how the song starts. It says, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. And then later on, he says, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. You know, I I think as a church, we do a, a pretty good job of being a humble, filled church. We realize that we're not perfect, right? We all know that we have flaws. We all know that we fall short. And sometimes we stumble over our pride, but I believe as a church, as a whole, we really understand this concept. But our passage today, it's a hard-hitting passage, and it stands in stark contrast to everything that we see um, in the world today, and, and even in many of, of the churches that we have today, it, it stands in stark contrast to the easy believism and the syrupy spiritually, uh, spirituality that is so prevalent in our culture today. In, in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, that's where we're going to be at. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Everything's going to be on the screens. Um, it, it'll be on Facebook a, as you follow along there. And these words, they they follow the warning against worldly wisdom. And here's what we're going to learn today. God gives grace to the humble, not to the haughty. So let's read James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is in enmity in, 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 in with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is not, it is, man, it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Wow. <laughs> like, talk about hard hitting. I mean, James just really kind of, he gives it to that church that he is writing to there in Jerusalem and to us today as well. I believe that there are three main truths in this passage. The, the first one that we see, the, problem among us, the problems among us are rooted within us. Instead of blaming outside factors or people when we encounter problems, we must identify the forces at work on the inside. You know, it's easy for us to always constantly blaming others, right? Well, the devil made me do it. Well, God, it's your fault. We we go back to Genesis chapter three, and that's what we get in Genesis chapter three. We read well, well, Satan, the devil, the serpent. That made me do it. Well, God, it's your fault. You're the one that gave me the woman anyways. And we constantly just want to pass the buck all the way around. But what we need to do is look on the inside. And we go back to verse 1, and that's exactly what we see. What causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you, among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Specifically, here, when we are in conflict with one another, when we're in conflict with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we must examine our own lives. We need to admit that there is wrong inside of us, that there is a war going on. One commentator points out that the war within us is a constant warring campaign. It is not something that we're just going to be at war with for a little while, and then it's just going to pass. It is something that we will be at war with our entire lives as a Christian, and we need to be ready to go into battle. Specifically, it's our passions and the pursuit of pleasure that puts us at odds with one another. The word passions is the same word used by Jesus. If you go back to Luke chapter 8 verse 14 in the parable of the soils when describing the seed that fell on the thorns, we read there, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. The cares and riches and pleasures of life. You see, we become at odd odds with one another because we have certain passions that we long for we have things that we go to battle for because it's something that i love it's i'm passionate about this so i'm going to fight about this instead of wondering and worrying about our fellow brothers and sisters in christ we need to come together otherwise we will be at war with one another You see, we must admit our main problems are rooted with inside of us. Inside of me is the problem. A newspaper once sent an inquiry to several famous authors asking this question. What's wrong with the world today? One author quickly replied, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. I am. That's what we need to be willing to admit. I can be the problem. James drills down on this. If we look at verses two through four, it helps us to identify four battles that are going on inside of us. The first one is that we have unfulfilled desires. Look at verse two. You desire and do not have, so you murder. The word desire is lust, longing, when our longings are unfulfilled, we're prone to take others out. When David's desire for Bathsheba grew so much, not only did he take her, what else did he do? He had to cover up his own sin, so he killed Bathsheba's husband. He killed Uriah to cover up because he wanted something so bad and it was left unfulfilled. So he did whatever it took and then he had to cover up everything that happened. To covet means to boil with envy. Have you ever just had that? Where you just boil with envy? You pull up next to somebody at the red light and you see them sitting in that car and you just want that car you're like oh if i could just have that you drive through a neighborhood and you go if i could just have that one, one, one of the things that i really and i'll admit to you i struggle with i want a truck and i yes i have a truck but i want a truck and i went out and bought a new truck but it's not a truck because it doesn't have the engine that i want in it and I allowed my wife, and she says, you better be happy with this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. And then I pull up next to another truck, and he's barking at the light because he has the engine that I want in my truck. I'm like, oh, if I could just have that. Man, that's a problem that's inside of me. And I have to be so careful with that because it is a battle that's inside of me. And I must make sure that I don't have those unfulfilled desires that lead me to do these very things. Now, am I actually going to go out and murder somebody over their truck? Eh, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But we have to be careful because it can lead down a path that we don't want to. To be in, So we have those unfulfilled desires. Then we have the unasked prayers. According to the last part of verse 2, sometimes we don't have what we really need simply because we didn't ask. We didn't go to God. This is what James says, you do not have because you do not ask. You see, the real reason behind prayerlessness is often because we have proud reliance issues. Well, I want it, so I'm going to get it on my own. I'm not going to ask God. Now, these are, no, listen. Well, but I ask God to give me, you know, the winning lottery numbers every week, and he doesn't fulfill those needs. Those are wants, not needs. But there are certain needs that we all have, and our needs are different in this room. Our needs are different. But we don't have because we just don't go to him and simply ask for it. Sometimes it's because we're proud and we think we can do it on our own. Sometimes, and there's so many different reasons. Why well, I feel guilty for asking. Why well, I don't want to think that I'm asking for too much. If it is a need in your life, here we read, James says, ask, go to God in prayer and ask. Don't have that proud self-reliance. The third thing is underlying motives. Uh, according to verse 3, another reason we're discontent might simply because we're praying with the wrong motives. Unasked prayers is what are un- underlying motives here. We read here, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It's not what God is desiring for your life, but it's what you really want and you and god aren't on the same page the word spend has the idea of squandering and wasting we we go back to the prodigal son he says hey dad i wish you were dead give me my part of the inheritance and he goes away and he just squanders it all he just spends it frivolously he just wastes it away The word passion is the same word that is used for hedonism. We have to be careful with this. This is what we read. We go back to the Old Testament and we read in Psalm 66 verse 18, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. We need to be careful that we are not praying selfishly. Selfishly. It shows in my life. What are my purposes? What are my goals? Am I aligning my will with God's will? That's what I have to always ask myself. And that brings us to the fourth point. Uncovered affections. Uncovered affections. James uses some spiritually charged language in, in verse four to jar us out of complacency and compromise. He says, you adulterous people, okay, James, that's kind of harsh, right? Well, we go back to the Old Testament and this is exactly, I mean, this, this is taken directly from the way that you know, the Old Testament is speaking. And again, just in case you go, well, I don't read the Old Testament because that God's a mean God. And he, and he, he kind of takes things out on us. <laughs> James says, you adulterous people. He, he calls us out, right here and we need to see that we go back to the old testament and depicts god as the husband and israel as his wife one example is is in isaiah chapter 54 verse 5 it says for your maker is your husband the lord of hosts is his name Speaking uh, uh, through the prophets, God accuses his people of committing spiritual adultery over and over and over again. In in the book of Hosea, he instructs the prophet to marry a prostitute to demonstrate God's faithfulness to us, even when we are unfaithful to him. Could you imagine Hosea? God says, Hey, Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute, and um, I want you to married this one called Gomer. There's a couple of problems there, right? Well, God, I don't know if I really want to marry a woman named Gomer to begin with. Um, but on top of that, a prostitute? Really? I don't think I can do that, God. And God says, hey, I, there's a reason behind it. And, and that's what we see here. God is faithful even when we are not. In the New Testament passages, like Ephesians chapter 5, we see the picture of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. When confronting unbelief, Jesus called out the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation. So how is it that we commit spiritual adultery? Look at the rest of verse 4. So, so we read there, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is anonymity to God, with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, we have a growing fondness for the world, and if we do so, we will have friction with God. A.W. Tozer once lamented lamented, a whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. There are so many, and and, and listen, A.W. Tozer hasn't lived for a while. (laughs) And it's so true even today. We think that we can just keep living our best life now and we can keep doing whatever we were doing before without changing. Well, I gave my life to Christ and I repented once and I went into the water and I was baptized. They they threw me under the water and now all of a sudden I'm saved and I can do whatever it is that I want. That's not what we read in scripture. And we need to be so, so careful with that. Be careful Romans 8, 7 says, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. Some of us have become very cozy with the world. And because of that, we have compromised our convictions and thus we are in conflict with God. And we have to be so careful that we don't allow that to happen. We keep reading, um as we as we go through this and james just makes it so clear that we have to be careful again it's all about what's on the inside of us that's what we have to remember so let's pause at this point and allow the spirit to do his work are you humble or are you haughty do you have unfulfilled desires in your life right now How many of your prayers have gone unasked, not unanswered, but how many of your prayers have just went unasked? Are there underlying motives or are there uncovered affections going on in your life right now? Are are you seeking to find satisfaction apart from Christ? Do you find yourself turning to the pleasures of this world instead of allowing God to satisfy you? You see, the problems among us are rooted within us, but secondly, the promises to us come from above. And we need to hold on to that. Because, man, I mean, James really kind of knocks us for a loop here at the very beginning. But now we come and we understand that the promises, they come from above, Unless we admit our problems, we won't be able to be in a place where we can receive these promises. You see, God yearns for your holiness. Look at verse 5. Or do you suppose, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he, <clears throat> that he has made to dwell in us? While it is not a specific reference in the Old Testament, I believe that James has Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 in view. For I, the Lord, your God, what? Am a jealous God. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God. Now, Now, we don't like to think of God that way, or maybe we don't picture God that way as being jealous, but that's exactly who he is. He wants our undivided attention, Last Thursday, we brought home a new puppy, and we brought home this little seven-and-a-half-week-old ball of fur, and he has just won our hearts. But we also have a a five-and-a-half-year-old who is my baby, a dog, but she is mine, and she doesn't like it when I give any attention to that little puppy, that little ball of fur comes running around and Bailey jumps on my lap and she wants my attention. She wants my undivided attention and the moment that I start paying attention to that puppy, I get a paw. She's not mean about it, but she comes over and she takes that paw and she puts it on my arm like, no, 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 no me, She looks at me and she brings the ball to me and says, you can play with that puppy, but you better not forget about me. Or then here comes the frisbee. And, you know, whatever it is, she wants my undivided attention. Now, that's a puppy. That's a dog. God desires, longs for, yearns to have our undivided attention. He is a jealous God. And if you struggle to have a daily time in God's word and in prayer, contemplate this truth. God wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. Please remember that. And there's a lot of people that think, well, God is just kind of sitting up there doing his thing. And he really doesn't care what's going on down here. He he spun the earth up, he made us, he threw us in the garden, and he left. He wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. And please never forget that. God is longing to have a relationship with you right now. Until you are satisfied in God alone, you will never be satisfied. Dissatisfaction is designed to lead you to find satisfaction in God alone. If there is a dissatisfaction in your life right now, find it in God. There's a hole in your heart that you're trying to fill with a bunch of other stuff. Chocolate, ice cream, mission barbecue, a truck, a house, money, that new position at work. And you keep trying to long for those things and they don't fill it. Guess what? That hole that's inside of you, it's a god-sized hole he is the one that can fill it and please never forget that and as we continue to see that how it's coming down from above god gives grace to the humble god gives grace to the humble not only does god want to meet with you more than you want to meet with him verse 6 tells us that he is a grace-giving god we read james says but he gives more grace Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. One translation says he gives a greater grace. God's grace is greater than whatever gross sin you have committed. And never forget that. Listen, we have all messed up. We have all made mistakes. We are all sinners. But his grace is greater. And he gives it to all of us. The word here, oppose, was used of setting an army against. Proverbs 6, 17 says, God hates haughty eyes. The only way to receive God's grace is by being humble. If God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, we better make sure that we're not making ourselves an enemy of God. We don't want to be an opponent of God. So we must first admit the problem among us are rooted within us. We can then claim the promises that come to us from above. And then lastly, the prescriptions for us must be taken by us. Stop and think about that for a second. How many of you have prescription bottles that you picked up and never take? I have several of those. I keep them all put up, they're all locked up, they're put away, but I have pills that I have picked up for many different things, whether it be for my back, whether it be for nerves, whatever it might be, Um, and I just didn't take them. But for a prescription to work, if the doctor says, hey, in order for you to get better, you need to take this, okay, doc, I'm going to go pick it up, but then you don't take it. Just because it's sitting on your counter, just because it's sitting on your sink, it doesn't do any good unless you actually put it inside of your body and use it the way that it was meant to be used. God calls us to intentionally engage in in 10 actions. I know you guys thought, oh, he said last point. Now there's 10 of them and it's James' fault, not mine. Okay, just, but we can't sit passively and wait for things to get better work. Conflict to suddenly just resolve itself. It never works that way. We need to be active about it. We need to take those prescriptions. And James starts off here by saying that we need to submit to God. The first prescription is found at the beginning of verse 7. Submit yourselves <clears throat> therefore to God. This is a military term to be subjugate by placing under. We're called to put ourselves under the rank of God. We need to be subject to our heavenly father. Submit to God. Secondly, resist the devil. Next, we're to resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what James says. To resist is also a military term and it has the idea of standing against. So we have an army that's been set up in place and now that army has to hold its ground and that's what we've been called to do. Resist, to hold firm, hold the line. Don't break, don't let anything happen. Paul says something similar in Ephesians chapter six, verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We're called to flee from temptation, but we're called to fight the devil. That's what we've been called to do. Draw near to God. That's the next point. Draw near to God. This also comes from verse 8, and it comes with a promise. Draw near to God, and what? He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 37 verse 28 says, but for me, it is good to be near God. We should all say that, especially in this time right now. With everything that's happening in the world today, we better make sure that we're right with God. We don't know what time we're living. And I've had, listen, I've had many people say, Travis, is this the end? Travis, has has the end of time started? Are we in the last days? Do you know what my answer is? Yes. Do you know the response? Are you serious? Like, uh, oh my goodness, oh no. We've been in the last days since Jesus went to heaven. So hold, hold on, but you better be ready. Draw near to God. And then again, it comes with a promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then James goes on to say, cleanse your hands. When we submit, resist, and draw near, we become acutely aware of our sinfulness. And we've been called to cleanse our hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Is there some activity or behavior or habit that you need to stop right now? We sin. We fall short. And we need to make sure that we're willing to admit it, and then cleanse your hands. You know, I carry this thing around. Um, It's it was given to me. um, So if I smell pretty, this is it. It's uh, hand sanitizer spray, coconut and lemon. But I carry it around. Do you know why? I wash my hands all the time. I cleanse my hands. And I do it because I forget because what's the, um, uh, the initial reaction? And you've done this to me, and I do it as well. Initial reaction, when you see somebody, stick that hand out. It's like, oh, hold on, give me a second. While we have our hands together, let's spray them, you know. Because we, we forget. But we need to cleanse our hands. We need to keep ourselves clean. Well, that's, that's this. And Jesus is saying, James is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you better make sure you're cleansing this. Cleanse your heart. Cleanse your life. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, Paul says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Then we're called to purify your hearts. Purify your hearts. We must also actively engage in inward purification. Cleanse, purify. That's what we've been called to do. We are double-minded in so many ways. We are distracted in so many ways. Jesus makes it very clear that we cannot serve two masters david's prayer found uh, back in in psalm 51 we read purge purge me with aesop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me purify your heart the next thing embrace your brokenness Embrace brokenness in a world that is overly focuses on one's happiness. We have Christian books that say, live your best life now. Stop apologizing. Just live the way that you have been called to live. God calls us to embrace our brokenness. Go to verse 9. There we read, be wretched and mourn and weep. We must see our wretchedness we must see our sinfulness and we have been called to weep about it our sins should cause us sorrow james further brings this up and we'll, we'll talk about this in a couple weeks and in james chapter 5 verse 1 it says come now you rich weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you embrace your brokenness next humble yourself Until we embrace our brokenness, we will persist in our pride. Look at verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. The phrase before the Lord is a picture of standing before the face of God. It reminds us if we go back to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2. But this is the one to whom I will look. He will who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The prescription also comes with the promise. I love this. And he will exalt you. The lowly one becomes lifted up. When we properly humble ourselves, it is God who is the one who will lift us up. Never forget that. And then refuse to judge others. And this is a problem for many of us. Refuse to judge others. Look at verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Once again, James is appealing to a family relationship because three times he uses the word brother. He wants to show compassion he's trying to bring us in saying hey we are family and as a family we need to love one another and call one another out and make sure that we are not judging one another but lifting one another up that's what we're called the word here for brother literally means from the same womb not my brother from another mother my brother from the same mother We can see from the the tense of the verb that he is correcting something that is happening frequently. Stop speaking against one another. You are actively doing it, and you need to stop. Don't judge one another. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. We need to stop looking down our nose on those whose sin is different than ours because we're all sinners. Stop comparing yourselves to the others that are sitting in this room, to the others that are in your family, the others that call themselves Christians that you work with and you go, well, I'm not as good as them or I'm not as as bad as them and we, we, we look down on others. No, we are all sinners and we need to remember that and hold on to that. James 2 defines the royal law this way. He says back in James 2, 8, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is a quote from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18, but I want you to listen to it in context. We're gonna go to verse 17 first. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord don't judge allow god to be that judge refuse to judge others and then let god be the judge let God be your judge when we stand in judgment of others we're standing in the place of the ultimate judge look at verse 11 the end of 11 and verse 12 it says but if you judge the law you are not a doer of the law but a judge there is only one lawgiver and judge it's like the guy that's driving down the road, and he gets to the office, and he goes to his coworker, and he says, you know, I was driving to work today, and I noticed a woman, she was driving 65 miles an hour with her face right up next to the rearview mirror, putting on her eyeliner. I was so shocked at what I saw. I just couldn't believe it. She scared me so much that she caused me to drop my electric razor, which knocked my cell phone out of my other hand that was holding a cigarette inside of my mouth. Mouth. I knocked the steering wheel and just about drove off the road, all because of this crazy woman driver. Don't we all do that in our lives? We wanna blame someone else. Don't do so. Admit that you are the problem. See that our blessings come down from above. Realize that you have a prescription and you've just been called to take it. Here's a paraphrase of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position one bit. Listen, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Are we allowing God to do his part in our lives? If God is going to judge others, why do we need to help him out? It was F.B. Meyer who said, it is a terrible thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of his fellow sinners. And oh, isn't that the truth? It reminds me of what David chose to say uh, when God gave him an option for his punishment in, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 14. I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercy is great, but let me not fall into the hand of man. David didn't wanna fall into the hand of his fellow brothers and sisters. We don't wanna fall into the hands of our fellow brothers and sisters. We wanna fall before the throne of God. Allow him to be our judge. And that's our last point receive the one who was judged for your sins notice how verse 12 ends there is only one lawgiver and judge and he is able to save and destroy we're all guilty we're all sinners let us fall into the hands of jesus because he paid the ultimate price for our sins aren't you glad that jesus came to live to show compassion and to die upon the cross he chose to die for me and that's why we celebrate communion every single week to remember what he did that he died as my substitute he died for me can never forget that. You have a choice today. You can allow Jesus to satisfy with his death, burial, and resurrection, or you can fall into the hand of your fellow man. And none of us want that. God is gracious, God is home, God is is loving, but he is just. And so today, as we partake of of the bread and the juice, and if you've never used these before, you just peel back the top layer, and there's your little piece of bread. And then underneath of it is is the juice, and you peel that, and you can take that. And in just a second, I'm, I'm gonna pray for us, and then we can take communion as you're ready. I want you to remember this past week and everything that has happened in your life. And I want you just to allow God Holy Spirit to work in your life. Be thankful that he died for you. The bread, it represents his body that was broken. The juice, it represents his blood that was spilled out upon Calvary. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that as we gather that we can remember everything that you have done for us and father as we have as we have given our lives over to you we come to you just asking again that you will watch over us father we we try to remember every sin that we commit but i know that we don't always remember and as we partake of this bread and this juice that we will just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. We remember that we are sinners and that we fall short, but we have been set free because of what he did, his work upon the cross, nothing that we do. We pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.
0: come to a decision this morning uh, for Christ to become part of a uh, member of this family here at Stafford County. Uh, if you just have something weighing on your heart, your life or whatever that may be, I encourage you to uh, reach out uh, to Travis, an elder, anybody on staff um, so we can help uh, guide you uh, through your next steps. As always, let's uh, rise as we continue in our worship this morning. so much uh, for your word this morning, Lord. I just pray that we just continue, God, to be humble. God, in our lives to see uh, what we do and how we contribute to the goings-on. And Lord, I just pray that we take what we've learned here this morning, God, and we just uh, imprint it in us and just continue to not uh, hold that in but to share it throughout this fallen world, God. I just pray for your continued healing, uh, Lord, on this earth as we depart uh, this morning. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Go and be blessed.